boy. I've been left your world. Come into my dimension. Cause I know y'all been fishing. But my past and my present. Think on me. Might need to call the petition. Ready or not, clock. It's never. Episode 15, The Phantasm Movie Franchise, Part 2. I'm Evan. I'm Paul. What's episode 14 going to be, Paul? Well, it's the, the Phantasm franchise. Oh, I hope we're only doing the first two movies. No, we're going to do all of them. Oh, shit! In this episode, Paul and Evan finish up their discussion of the Phantasm franchise with films 3 through 5. Okay, we're recording. Still have a headache from drinking half a bottle of wine on, uh, <laughs> on like two or three nights ago. I can't believe how freaking bad I feel. It's but, being fucking old. Yeah, it's kind of sucks, right? So yeah, three. So th- when does three happen? Th- three happens in '94. I got to tell you, here's a funny thing to say. In a lot of ways, five was a huge disappointment. Five, I think, is the worst film. But three is the biggest disappointment for me. And funny thing is, three is where they break they break the uh, they break the machine. This is where I disagreed with you because I kind of liked three. It gave me a little bit of what I liked in the other films. Sure. But I it's, rewatched it's, it. It's not as bad as I thought it was. But first it's not off. it's not good at all. It's just a movie, if right. you know what I'm saying. Right. This movie did not have to be about the tall man. This is just a zombie monster movie that uses elements of the first two movies and almost feels like it undercuts what Coscarelli was doing in his own first two movies. And he directs all of these movies except the last one, right? And now, which he co-writes. Right. Now, the problem with, the problem with three is, like you said, we're continuing. It, it continues exactly. Which is kind of fascinating. I give, him, I give kudos to the fact that it's really wild that basically there's a rhythm. to Even right. if you don't like, love the end of the second movie... You know, the funny thing is that the first movie bothered me, like, for the characters and everything, because I was like, holy, like we said, oh my God, this is the end of Mike. There's no, you're not expecting a sequel in 1978 the way that you do just a few years later. Everything is going to probably have a sequel. Um, But Phantasm 2 ends, and you almost can laugh it off, though. You're like, yeah, this is not kind of like what I want to see, but it does, and it's a cliffhanger, but it kind of, basically, you're waiting for the sequel. Right. You kind of knew there's a third one coming now. Yeah. They've set this war up. You've got these three characters. I, I like the uh, alchemy character, but I guess she's gone too. But right. Although, who the fuck knows? Because right. in our first movie, everything right. was a dream and Jody's dead. Right. Cause and we, we don't get Jody in the, th- in the second movie, which no. it, turns out to be a, a, a good, good move. Yeah. 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 The, what yeah. we find out in the beginning of this movie is that through the tuning dimensional forks... Another tall man walks up and picks up the melted dead corpse of the original. Yeah. Or or, or that tall man. And we don't know. Gets rid of him. Yeah. And unfortunately, in the beginning of the movie, we see that Liz is dead. They show Liz's head. Yeah. Okay. I quick... just I just rewatched it, and this. I remember we all watched this over at your place. We had a group. Yeah. And we all were like, ah. There was a lot of, like, nah, throughout the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We weren't like, ah, this sucks, but it was like, oh. Yeah. Where's, uh, Because, again... It really basically... To to use the... It kept kept the mold and the rind, and it threw away the the, the good stuff. Well, well, the the weird thing is to compare it to Alien franchise again. Third movie of Alien. Right. Now we have... So so now, what are we going to do in the third one? We're going to kill 
some characters kind of beloved characters. that you really, really rooted for that went through a lot of pain. Right. And, and, and uh, we're going to do it in a way more. that sucks. Right. I, I compare it to the Star Trek franchise. When the movies started happening, right? right? In, in Wrath of Khan, they introduced some characters. They introduced his son, Kirk's son. They introduced... Was it Savic? Sa- Savic, yeah, well, yeah. No, uh, the, the Vulcan, the Vulcan girl, the, girl, the yeah. Kirstie Alley character. She ends up. That character ends up being right. A, a, a chess piece to just make the plot hammer. Right, and those characters are then either killed off. But isn't or it not funny? Star Trek after. always does that. I mean, that's what they did in the original show. I don't think they did this on purpose. But if you think about it, they add two characters to the first movie, and at the end of the movie, they turn into light and disappear. Right. You never have to deal with them again. They really don't like adding characters to Star Trek, and, you, you, to and, the main right. series. And I think that this is the issue that happens in this film. It shows you that they're, they're not really expanding the world. No. They're keeping it narrow. We get... Well, budget is probably the main reason that this movie goes where it goes. I remember, and I remember watching, a docu- I think, a documentary or a series of interviews about all the Phantasm films. And they were fascinating. But as it's funny because as the documentary went along to each movie, they were saying things that I was like agreeing with less and less okay. as a fan. I mean, I'm not going to tell them how to make their movies. I mean, on a podcast, sure. But I wouldn't like, you know, really go, well, this is what you should have done. This is what I would have done. This is what a million fans. Well, you could complain about the finished product. Oh, and this is the problem that, that I, I thought one and two with whatever flaws they had were minor. And I, and I, I love that ride. And I really like these characters, and they had me where they wanted me. You know, everybody loves the tall man. Everybody loves the spheres. Reggie is funny. Mike is cool. Liz is a terrific addition to to the group. I really like her. The better cinematography, the better effects. It's a good movie that never feels too slick. I realize Coscarelli felt like he was pushed around, but it doesn't come across in the film. Because we don't know his struggle on the film. And sometimes you watch a movie and you go, this really feels like this. It's being pulled in directions. Right. You know, uh, or budget changed this, or an actor didn't stick around. Uh, The Fifth Element. We didn't know when we saw that that there was fighting between Bruce Willis and Gary uh, Oldman. Right. But But you watch the movie and you go, there's got to be a reason that they've never appeared in a scene together. The second movie is the most polished, real, again, movie it doesn't necessarily yeah. no, make it better. No, no. But than the like first Aliens one. versus uh, Alien and Terminator 2 to a degree in Terminator, it's a similar but different film right. that ups the ante and ups the and, and creates more of a world, but doesn't push it into. Well, I think Terminator 2 at times does, but doesn't push it into fan service or ridiculous or just feeling like it's a, it's throwing empty shit at the screen. Right. Um, you know they don't make. The tall man, funny, driving around in a car with Edward, whatever the fuck, you know, saying, you know, hasta la vista, just garbage like that. Where, you know, we like, you know, we know you love the Terminator and Ar- Arnold, so we're going to make him a good guy, and we're going to have this horse shit at the end of the movie. But whatever. But three just feels like three is like I remember because we were like, oh, okay, so they show that. That's right, they show the tall man's melted, deflated body. There's gookum all over the place. There's fire. And another tall man steps through. And there's an interesting thing about it. With I know I'm reading too much into it. He's stooping when he walks through. And I'm just curious why they did that. Hmm. Is it because they had to keep his entire body for the effect down low between the yeah. tuning fork things? Or were they trying to imply that he yeah. had to, Yeah, but basically he scoots through and up. Uh, Angus is looking older Yeah. in three. 
more older than I remember because I, there's a gap between these movies in each one. And basically, as Angus becomes weaker and older, so do the movies. It's a really strange thing to watch. Yeah, the tall man comes through and picks up the old body like garbage and throws it through the tuning fork, which I love because I love the implication that they're not wasting this shit. <laughs> like, they're not taking the dwarves or the, or the equipment. So it makes you wonder because you don't know much about this world. So, okay, he replicates himself. The problem with that right off the bat is that if the tall man is replicating himself or there are many more replicas of him, he becomes an unbeatable threat. But I feel like what we get from this movie doesn't necessarily imply that there are no, multiple but, things. No, but the fact is, he just he just he shows up as if he's like clean and happy. He's just there is no reaction. I mean, I like this scene. Yeah, yeah. I think this scene works, but at the same time, it opens up a can of worms right off the bat. I don't know what they could have done. They could have shown. I mean, if the tall man just regenerated, it wouldn't have been great. If he just shows up and says, uh, you know, I used uh, science fiction shit or, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know what would have been satisfying to bring a dead character back, even a dead character who is more than human. But showing that there are more of him or that his, like, no man from uh, the Thunder Agents, that his his being goes into another form makes him so unapproachable you could throw boulders on him like yogi bear some flintstones thing he escapes but now he can transfer his his soul or his being into another creature then basically it's just put a quarter in make extra lives he's got he's just got countless free extra lives and that right from the beginning of the third movie throws me out of the stakes and french fried potatoes a callback in terms of comedy is a joke that refers to one previously told in the set Right. Nothing they do will work unless this becomes a big War of the Worlds science fiction movie and either they go to his home planet and blow something up or some magic or some germ destroys him because killing him does not work. Yeah, for me, it didn't take me out of the movie. Oh, it didn't take me out yeah, of the movie, well, but it, oh, it it's, it's the first kick in the nuts. It didn't really bother me. I think it was a death by a thousand cuts for this movie. Definitely. Definitely, it was it yeah. was a thing where when when but I was that, finished that, with that, it that wasn't good. Yeah, when I, when I was finished with it, I was like, that was like Phantasm Light. They yeah. put things in it that I don't think really were. I don't think the humor works very. It well. It felt a lot like one of those uh, Resident Evil point five games where it's a holding place almost. Oh, oh, yeah, and, we and, don't have a new game out, so we're going to put out this yeah. little one, which is going to have like then what's side four? adventures. <laughs> four. Four is a DVD extra, literally, <laughs> and five is a fan-made film that. Oh, I was going to say that should have been. Yeah, uh, a lot of, yeah. yeah, I, I don't yeah, think we're the first. That shouldn't have been shown anywhere. Right. Uh, it shouldn't have been Spoilers. shown at the Alamo where <laughs> Alamo Warehouse. <laughs> and but three, yeah, but the second scene in three is where it just loses its smile hmm. because. I don't know why they did this, but they write Liz out at the beginning. She doesn't even get a line of dialogue. I do think that we get flashbacks. We had flashbacks in the second movie to the first movie, I believe. Just a few. Right. I might be wrong on that. We definitely have a flashback to him getting taken by the tall man and his dwarves at the end with the glass smashing to get us into the next action scene. So we get a scene from the last movie, and so we, just like in the second movie... That the second movie caps off the end of the first, the third movie caps off the second. 
which sounds cool, but it is but is incredibly unsatisfying. Right. What we get is Reggie. The same scenes. Reggie staggers to the back, bloody bloody hands on the glass. He collapses. If I remember correctly, they dummy the shots so that we don't see James Legrosse and we don't really see Liz. Right. Because they can't. They don't have a shot of Mike with Liz. They might have asked her to come back so they could kill her off. I don't know. The dwarves pull them back out. Mike is unconscious and run, Mike runs away. I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember I, what the. I don't yes, remember. but we should mention that Mike is now again played. Mike by is Michael Baldwin. Michael Baldwin, and a Michael Baldwin. Right, not the Michael Baldwin. <laughs> I think Mike. Mike. Oh shit! I can't. No, Mike. Okay, Mike does not run away. I'm. I'm confusing the. I'm, actually, I'm thinking of somewhere Jody's in here, but he's not. What happens in the in the in the opening of the third movie is Reggie is collapsed. He's all ripped up. Uh, I th- we assume that the tall man was probably uh, alchemy, if I remember correctly. The dwarves are all swarming in. Reggie wakes up, and he gets his shotgun, and then we find that the dwarves have beheaded Liz. She's just dead. No, she's dead. She's yeah. just lying there with her head off, or they've taken her head off, and that's the end of Liz. Right. Liz does not even get mentioned. No, nope, uh, except yeah. for when the tall man is holding her head and talking about her as a bargaining chip, like they're going to come after her for her head. It's a very strange scene. It's not a terrible scene, except we see Reggie blasting his way through some dwarves who are in the trees, which doesn't make any sense, only so that they can get blasted by all four barrels, just like in the second movie. Although if you watch it, rewatching it was terrible. He shoots straight up in the air the way that four shotgun barrels will. And the bodies, the joke is that the bodies just start landing like dead birds. But they land like eight feet away from where his gun blasts were. It's a terribly choreographed and played out and directed scene for a joke. Then we get the first inkling that Mike is important to the tall man. Right. Mike is unconscious. Reggie, it's actually, I like this scene. Uh, Reggie pulls a grenade out with a timer and basically tells the tall man, you can't have us. And the tall man, this, the tall man walks off because he wants Mike for some reason. Right. Not it, now. This makes it sound like they need him for something. It's he's the chosen one, for, and this gets us down a bad rabbit hole. Oh. But it's not the worst. Maybe if they played it outright, but it becomes absolutely meaningless. Literally meaningless. So the shtick now is that Mike can't be damaged. We know Mike has to live to some degree because Mike is wanted by the tall man for reason X. Right. Reggie threatens to blow him up. It's a great scene, to be honest, that particular bit. The tall man is holding Liz's head. The dwarves come around him. They leave. It's very evil. But the whole thing is, for me, colored by the fact that they just bumped Liz off. And that's it. It was. It's just such a newt and uh, hicks. Yeah, terrible. Terrible. Dead. It's one thing that to kill a character off like that. Maybe you couldn't get the actress. Maybe you just don't know how to write women. Maybe you're just encumbered in some weird way by the character. What was I don't know what was wrong with having those three characters continuing on. I really just don't get it. I wonder if the fact that she was probably imposed by the studio that they wanted a girl in there or you know a, a female lead and a romance. First of all, I think the romance worked for the film's favor. Yeah. And I'm not really big on film romance in a horror movie or anything. I mean, if you have a genre movie, not everybody has to fucking fall in love while running away from the zombies or the the dinosaurs. It's a pain in the ass most of the time. It's bullshit. And uh, it wastes time, and it's just easy filmmaking. 
to just throw characters together and make them go, you're supposed to love them, they're in love, whatever the fuck, they're attracted, you care more for them. You care more for characters because you care more for them. And I really did like those characters. And it's worse because she's tossed away and then never mentioned again. Well, and, and it, it that trend actually gets worse. It gets film, much worse. As the film. Three is where people start to forget that they ever ha- were in the other movies other than the plot itself. They have no outside lives. Right. It literally becomes this just circle jerk among Jody, Reggie, and Mike, and the tall man. The series be- starts to circle the drain and tighten around those four characters. and To its detriment. To its detriment, and the entire world building collapses. Even in the fifth one, which, gets, which, o- which becomes overwhelming and literally affects the world, it feels small, and it doesn't feel real, and it doesn't feel anything but superficial. I mean, it literally feels like they're fighting a CGI war. You know, like they're they're literally fighting the tall man in his CGI, yeah. and not actual things, not factions, not creatures, not anything with functioning motivation like in the first two movies. So she's dead, and you're supposed to just move on and like they do. And but the thing is, you're emotionally invested in her. They did a good job in the second movie, and then they just literally piss it away. Right. And then Mike is catatonic for most of this movie. Right. And a bad actor. And he, here's the funny thing: he's not in it much. No. So everybody's so happy. A lot of these Uber fans, a lot of these Mike fans are happy that Baldwin is back. And I've got, look, I've got nothing against Baldwin except that supposedly he went around bad-mouthing the second movie. And I think he poisoned the well for a lot of people. Okay. Because, you know, we love our horror people or whatever and we're loyal. But the thing is, being loyal to the detriment of the film is not really a good thing either. Baldwin is not talented as an actor, in my opinion. The, the, the problem and is... And he really... Drags the three remaining films. Him and Jody, they bring back Jody in the third film, and they are they are exactly the kind of actors that people make fun of in other movies yeah. for, for dragon movies. I think are. I think Mike works as a kid. I think Michael I think he's terrific works as, as a kid. kid, and I think bringing him back is a, a fan service that and a necessity probably because I, right. I he if he's gonna. If you're not going to use James... Now, here, I know I realize I'm going back and forth kind of like the first movie, but um, I wonder if he pushed back against the fact that he was... that he was... that decisions were made for him by the studio and he decided to get rid of certain things yeah. and do certain things in the, in the third movie and basically just go, I know what I want. And it's funny because they, the third... the second movie is regarded as a bomb. A box office bomb by a lot of people. According to the numbers, it looks like it made its money back it made it made underperform as far as it made like two million less it, it was like three million it made six million or whatever the hell i don't know uh, but yet but it obviously didn't do that great but it's still considered the bastard child of the franchise it is considered that is that is insane that is insane it is it is considered i mean uh, supposedly people are coming around to it supposedly even the people involved are less volatile about okay. james lagrosse being in the movie but it's like, I you know, the, James Bond can be anybody, and everybody still seems to love every single James Bond except George Lazenby, although everybody still likes that movie because it's a really good movie. It's just got a pretty bad James Bond, a right. very boring James Bond. But people get replaced in movies all the freaking time. I don't. I, I think that when it makes sense, it makes sense, and in James LaGrosse's sense, it worked. He became a, a, an adult character. Mike is... He's Mike is a blank in those three movies. Yeah, yeah. And he's also like catatonic or running away or just talking. He doesn't really get much to do. He's a pawn. 
in the movies and in the uh, you have to think hard to what does he do in the last three movies well, well it's interesting he talks to Reggie a lot in this movie we find out the tall man wants Mike right but yet Reggie is obviously the protagonist of these Reggie movies is the, Reggie is the main character of, of three and five and most of four yeah but four is a weird movie because four looks four was kind of four is she's We'll get to it. Yeah. But three is where they codify some things and they also just forget a lot of things. Yeah. Three is a very, very frustrating movie. Three feels like it's too light. Yeah. In, in the mean that it's, you know, less calories. It's jerky. It's, it's also jerky. The humor becomes really schmucky and jerky and right. obvious. Right. And not funny. Not like, like it's weird. Why? Because in the film, we meet a new character one of the new characters we meet is a, a young kid, Tim, who, who, seems I hate. To, who seems to be an attempt to bring Mike back. He's got his story. Well, he's, in a lot he's, of ways, yeah, he's he's cousin he's... Oliver a little, maybe. But, <laughs> but, but he's also he's yeah, a, cousin Oliver, yeah. But he's also uh, he's also some kind of Home Alone. It's terrible thing. It's terrible. You the know? characters in three just well, so there's almost no plot to three. There's details, but there's almost no plot. Yeah, they go yeah. places that you don't feel invested. They, they they just they talk about where should we go next. They bunk in motels so you can have jokes. Character, oh, it's just and it's and it's a it's a bad floor plan for a lot of four and five. Um, so Reggie brings Mike. I don't even fucking remember, and I just saw it a few days ago. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Basically, what happens is the tall man says, I'll see you later. This game is not over. He starts fucking yeah. always talking about how this game is not over. He gets a few more catchphrases. I'll see you. I need this. <laughs> Lots of obscurist, you know, we'll figure this out later stuff, it felt like. And Reggie kind of... He, Reggie is on the move and Mike runs away, I think. Or Mike disappears? I forget what the fuck even happens. Jody shows up as a sphere. Yes, Jody now is it's, a sphere. This is because, fucking terrible. Because one of the effect, Jody comes back. The, the, yeah, and the effect is awful. ridiculous. It's of just him, of awful. Him morphing. morphing. It's 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 um it's yeah it's early TV CGI. Awful. Um, so Jody has been turned into one of the spheres for no reason that I can understand. Right. Uh, this ends up coming to a conclusion in four that makes no fucking sense. But Jody turns into Gandalf in a can. He shows up and just starts spitting out information. And then when Mike says, well, what does that mean? Jody says, not now. You know, he starts doing all this. You will see. I have great wisdom. I have understanding. Are you? We don't know if he's really Jody. We don't know what the fuck is. And then he gets burnt into a black sphere. That they carry around? Is that in three, right? I, I think Yes, because Tim, the, the kid, finds it. So Mike goes, oh, I can't handle this, and we don't know what to do with me. I'll see you later. Right. And, and he goes into off. the desert. He walks off into the, I think he walks off into the desert in the next one. But oh. he, he goes off. Oh, okay. And he talks to Jody a lot, like right. here and there. The movie ends up becoming, this is where Reggie takes over the movie. Uh, Reggie... First finds Tim. I think he finds So this Tim. is where we get Don Coscarelli's penchant for wacky characters starts to show up in this. Oof. And it's... I'm someone who does not like Bubba Hotep. I don't either. I think it's, I think it's junk. 
I think I love the two actors like everybody else does. Their interactions are great. That's not a movie. And I think the end of that movie is one of the worst directed comedy, horror, action things ever. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I don't remember. People, only, you know but what people I remember? love it. When I saw they it, love it, we saw it late night in a, in a small theater yeah. in Manhattan, and there was a mouse running around. Well, that's cool. So if you if you had to say, really, what the biggest misstep? I mean, they had a decent blueprint from two. They could have kind of continued the quest. Was it making Mike needing to be? Was Mike special to the tall man's yeah. plan? Was yeah. that where it really yeah. goes off? I think. Well, I think I think getting rid of Liz. Is, is it blows one leg off the body? Uh, Mike suddenly after two movies becoming not just an enemy but a we have a uh, relationship. There is a binding plot point. Right. You are you are the one. Right. When the tall man could have basically just fucking gotten him out of the hospital or gotten him out of the town sure. or done any one of a million things rather than just plundering bodies out of the ground. Uh, the tall man being shown to still basically be working a blood salvage when he's supposed to take over the world. It just feels like he's got this DIY thing to a fault. So so Reggie is basically on the road now trying to find Mike. I don't remember where Mike is. I think Mike actually starts going through some very bad uh, dreamlike conversations with Jody, right. which do not take the place of the dream logic of the first movie or the psychic connection of the second movie. It just is boring nonsense. Um, new Age talk from Jody uh, alluding to things. If you're, if, you're, if you're a GM in a role-playing game, was the, you would throw the dice in his face and, or her face and get the fuck up and leave. You know? right. You'd be like... This game needs to move on, and you need to explain something. We just can't have those bullshit Ben. Ken- That's what I was calling Jody Kenobi. I was like, "Hey, here comes Jody Kenobi to do nothing and say bullshit, you know, and use some <laughs> use some woo every once in a while so that we can move the plot forward, but not really help enough." And um, yeah, so Mike talks to Jody about nothing in particular. They just hint at things, and the tall man hints at things, and Reggie finds funny characters to bunk with. And this is the third thing that goes off the rails. The first time that we meet three post-apocalyptic scavengers, that there are people who are the, looting... The, the goofy the, criminals. The goofy criminals. These three goofy criminals. First, it's played as if we've got a new girl for uh, Reggie to get horny over. Right. He meets this girl, cameras on her ass while she's her, in a car at a wrecked town. She's got a funny accent, acts all nutty, and pulls a gun on him. Okay, not too bad. But then, a guy who looks like he's in the worst rockabilly band, and a guy who looks like he's in a road production of Guys and Dolls shows up. You know they're funny because they've got purple clothes and funny haircuts, and they act funny. They have acts. They have a lot of tics, and are very contrived. And they're like Batman villains from the '66 well, show. Yeah, is it, doesn't it? This it's is when it becomes cartoonish. Completely, it's, yeah. It's a cartoonish entry that you yeah. never really had before. So then, all of a sudden, you've got these three giggling assholes uh, who beat him up and throw him into the trunk of of a car, and they steal his car, and they're driving around in a pink hearse for no reason other than this is a fucking phantasm movie, and we have to have hearses. I mean, that's just a dumb choice. I mean, you can bring the pink hearse in in another way if you need to. But we have seen everyone driving hearses in the three movies. Why would we just happen to run into three people in a hearse so that they can show them as dead people later in a hearse? That's exciting. 
but everybody's in hearse. We literally see gravers. We see like a dozen or two dozen gravers in hearses later on. Union. Who don't, the Gravediggers Union. Yeah. I think there's a band called it. And they don't show up again. Mm. They follow them, but then they just let them go. Um, so this is the plot, this is the plot glue to bring him to a house in the middle of nowhere where the three are then summarily killed by a 10-year-old kid or whatever he is. Yeah, it's a... It's a hyper- we get home alone with weapons. Right, hyperactive, ridiculous. Isn't there... The kid has know. the kid has Texas Chainsaw-like doors around and all of a sudden the movie just... It, it, very Actually, it's very Texas Chainsaw that, that in, in some ways. Very tourist trap. Yeah. Because the kid okay. has also built little tin things and put heads all over the place. And there's graves in the in the yard, and somehow is there ever frisbee scene? Yes. Like... First, he shoots the kid. Shoots the girl. No, he throws a knife. It doesn't matter. It's very Rube Goldberg. It's very yeah. over the top. It's Bubba Hoptep. It's John dies at the end. It's the beginning of the end, and it's just <laughs> terrible. First of all, it's spending too much time off of our main characters for for very little effect, just to have blood, just to have violence. And just to kill these three characters. Unless, and this is... Unless you do something with these characters, Unless you're going to do something with Tim. But they don't. Tim, no, they don't. They, uh, we get to see his story in the, kind of the way we saw Liz's story in the second one. So the movie, uh, the, we've got this kid doing Home Alone murder. The scenes with him killing these people are just comedy gore. And depending on how much you can stand obnoxious kid actors and characters who are... You're supposed to love this kid, and I don't. I hate him. Right. I don't believe that he's uh, able to take the kickback of the guns he uses. I don't believe he has this good aim. I don't believe he made these contraptions. He's a construct, just like the three looters. Right. He is a cartoon character. He is just... He's built in special effects. He's built in gimmicks. He's built in texture, because they don't have a budget to do this stuff. They're bringing in cartoon characters to Phantasm. This whole, right. it's a very and cartoony also, like would you, you you know but it's the second like film second run evil dead or something like right. that well, with home se- alone the second one definitely you would say had a little bit of a gothic quality there was a little sure and the first one too yes. to a little, i mean the third one does only in the sense that of some of the settings right but it but not There's tonally some... not emotionally no it, the, the third film the stars of the third film are a more is is one of the mortuaries it's the most memorable thing in the movie <laughs> Is that there's two beautiful mortuaries in this in this movie? It's the best mortuary set that they have. It's a real place that the end of this film takes place in, and it's fantastic. But it's a lot of mausoleum. Like, Did you mean a mortuary? Mausoleum. I'm, I don't know the difference. Mausoleums. The it's a mausoleum. Yeah, mausoleum. But it's um it's a lot like these Italian movies where they have these be- one beautiful castle, one beautiful mm-hmm. mausoleum, and the whole movie is subservient to the location. And it is a beautiful location. And the other mausoleum is nice, too. The first one that they go to. I thought it was the first one. But so we get Tim, and then Tim, le- Tim kills these three gangsters like, like that. It's ludicrous. Right. So right off the bat, we do two things that aren't believable. The kid killing them does not wash. Yeah, he throws a Frisbee with knives all over it, which wouldn't work. It's also a ridiculously <laughs> contrived scene. He doesn't just hurl it into the guy's neck. He flings it into the air and it makes this insane arc like this kid has been practicing this. So it's like basically this kid did the murder equivalent of ventriloquism, juggling, uh, 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 shop to make these things, to make his gimmicky house where he pulls strings and has things move around. It's a hor- It doesn't feel like a Phantasm movie at all, but it also doesn't add anything. You know, It's just a whole other movie now yeah, at it's... this point. It's not even Reggie or Mike. It's just we're watching slapstick bullshit happening here it's uh 
And it's not slapstick bullshit like Raimi can do or the reanimate Stuart Gordon can do when he's doing his best work. It's just, it just and it also feels like this is the first time I feel like I'm really watching somebody making a generic movie. And uh, so the kid kills them all. So they're also like very ineffective feeling villains. And they're brought back as like our main villains, and so yeah, they're zombified. They're our main henchmen in this one. There are, there, yeah, they're the uh, tall man's like uh, ma- he's managing a wrestling team, right? And they're not, but if they've gotten killed by this kid, even with powers, we've already seen them get their asses kicked. Yeah, but what I what I don't understand is is you go from the, the, the you know the Jawas, the the to gravers, zombies. To no, the, to this was a bad. This is one of the worst years, moves. Yeah, but this is also particular to this movie. This is just a really. They do this a bit in the fifth movie, but this is just a really like running, starting to run on, absolutely running out of ideas and running on fumes. That the film is right is being carried by this kid we've never met who has absolutely ludicrous abilities and takes us completely out of. I mean, his his abilities are almost more fantastic than <laughs> crunching dwarves into out of dead people. So he lets Reggie out of the car. Oh, and he, you know, he's he's a smart mouth kid. Oh right. ho ho! And he's threatening him, and I think he curses. This is another thing. Coscarelli really gets into the idea of having little people curse. He thinks that's funny. It would be weird if you... It's, it's boring if you get it once. But then we actually get it in the fifth one. In the fifth one. When we get a, another small person who's not a kid who makes fun of Reggie and curses and is good with guns. It's like the same fucking character. It's Tim. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Chunk. Oh, right. He serves the same purpose except it's just another... Ta- it's, it's fucking weird. Yeah. It's a, this is a nice scene, but it also doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. He, uh, Reggie finds a woman who has like an orphanage, an apocalyptic orphanage. It doesn't make, it's bad world building. I didn't understand the scene in a way of how it fit in. I, I thought it was a cute scene. He brings the kid to this woman. He sees kids in this yard. And he brings Tim to this place and gives the woman money to take care of Tim. And we know Tim's already slept in the back of the car because we've seen a few movies in our lives. <laughs> but it's an interesting scene. But at the same time, you're sitting there going, it doesn't feel like the apocalypse has happened here. No. It looks like a bad... It looks like Coscarelli read The Great Grapes of Wrath or watched the movie when he was researching how to show dead towns. And he was like, oh, I'll just have this old lady, you know, this, <laughs> and she'll have all these kids. And it's like, it's too normal in the middle of this supposedly dead region. Mm. It, just, it just... It's not a big deal. Yeah. But it, it, it's another false step. And also... Reggie has been shown to already take kids on adventures. Now, maybe they didn't take place in the first one because it's a dream. But in our minds, we have seen Reggie take teenagers and young adults and give them guns. and give. Now, he's learned that this kid has lost his family and that his town was taken by the tall man. Hmm. You would think he would just go, you know what? You remind me a lot of my friend Mike, who I'm looking for. I'll keep you safe. Wouldn't he think the tall man's after him? Wouldn't he think that the kid's already killed a whole bunch of zombies? I mean, he needs a break? Why would you leave him in his same neighborhood? Because basically that's what it felt like, I think, yeah. with the orphanage. It felt like he drove him a mile or two down the road <laughs> and left him with this, with this, you know, the, the old lady from uh, Night of the Hunter with all these kids. And they're going to be killed in a week by... Because <laughs> they've told you that there are people rising up from the graves and running around, which kind of breaks tradition with the second movie, too, which is where... The dead seem to be doing specific jobs, but here the whole town just is dying, and the kids killing them. And I think they then he notices that the graves are empty, and him and Reggie don't seem to think anything about this. Like 
did the tall man grab them? Does that mean the tall man's... It's really... Reggie just seems like he didn't learn any lessons from the second movie. It doesn't make sense. And a big part of the second movie was how much him and Mike developed as fighting the tall man. Well, it, it's He fun. loses his equipment. He loses his gadgets. He loses everything but the stupid car and the stupid gun. If you, if you look at the first film, it seems like a certain set of characters... And the second film, you could believe those returning characters sure. and that are the same characters. And the, they've grown and they've evolved yeah. and they've learned right. and they've suffered. And even though the budget of this is significantly lower than the second yeah. one, yeah, it f- obviously feels smaller. But they feel, yeah, they feel like they've learned nothing. There's, there's yeah. nothing. They're the same they don't characters, act, you know, but they, they have don't, the same props. Right, but they don't, yeah, that's the th- but they don't seem to have, uh, they seem to have regressed from the second movie. Mike seems to have learned things in the second movie and then just kind of become a flailing, panicking, sad mess. And that's not just an actor change. That's a writing change. And Reggie is just kind of like, womp, womp. Because it's not big. Reggie's they... horny. Reggie gets... Reggie gets... A woman right. get, turns the tables on Reggie. The kid's yelling at Reggie. Reggie seems to have forgotten how to fight the tall man and his forces. He's not armed up. He's not capable. He makes a lot... He's scared and fucked up and comedy guy a lot yeah and and the cheap comedy really does disservice to the third film right and also mike mike isn't motivated by the death of liz in this to be anything when he was motivated by the death of jody and the death of his parents but he doesn't even talk about his parents he doesn't talk about he talked well jody is all you hear after a while it's like these three are the only three that exist in the movie in the world just because the budget disappears on them Tim is still in the car. That's supposed to be cute. And uh, Tim acts like a little... Oh, Tim somehow figures out how the black sphere works. Don't know how. I didn't understand that. He's holding a black sphere and he goes, it wants you to take a right turn. So Jody is guiding them to go somewhere. And that doesn't make sense. Tim is never shown to be psychic. Why doesn't the sphere just talk to Reggie? Again, a small point, but another... It almost feels like the person who created this stuff isn't in control of it. You know, like this, they brought in other people. It doesn't feel right. It's not smart. It's not funny. It's not creepy. It's not clever. They go to a mausoleum and they meet our next set of cartoon characters, which is Rocky and I don't remember the other girl's name. It's with a T, but she's killed instantly. Yeah. In a way that sucks. Right. I mean, yes, he treats a lot of male characters like this too, but whenever it comes to the sphere, it looks like he just doesn't understand how to set up a character to die other as a joke. Here's a character, get ready for the sphere. Three times in a fucking row, practically. So yeah, they, they meet uh, Rocky, uh, these two, two black women, look great, look interesting, and one of them is immediately killed by a sphere. The other one is supposedly from the army, so she, and she chooses to use nunchucks all the time. Right. Because that makes a good action figure, just like <laughs> Tim with his guns and toys. <laughs> not a really credible character. Rocky is cool looking, not a great actress. There's nobody to really... Reggie's not given enough to do that. Nobody can ground the movie in this one. Like, he doesn't have people to play... Professional actors to play off of. And it's it's telling. Everybody seems amateur hour. Yeah. And uh, so there's an extended scene where basically the two girls who are supposed to look like they know how to take care of themselves immediately don't know how to take care of themselves. And then Tim shows up to save the day again. Which is tiresome. So we get Rocky, Tim, and Reggie... And it feels like for seven hours we get tired jokes about Reggie, who is noticeably older in this movie and still hitting on younger women. Right. 
and um, who eventually fall for him. As if he's literally he's, the only man on earth and his pheromones are giving off this thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it comes off really creepy in the third movie. Yeah. Um, Rocky's character absolutely is there just to, while she's a strong female character, she's also very pushed around as a prop for comedy and for action and for, you know, being in danger. It's a, there's a lot of cringe in this movie, in the dialogue and in the characterizations. And uh, really, the all I remember from the rest of this movie, and I just watched it, like I said, within the last like week, was uh, some stuff happens. They drive around. There's um, more spheres with more stuff. Uh, we, we get the gold sphere in this. Um, right? At some point, Mike realizes he has a sphere in his brain. Right. And... He's bleeding goop, yellow goop. So yeah. there's something up with Mike that we've never seen before that makes no fucking sense. I did we learn in this one that the brain that brains are put into? Yeah, this is the one I think where the the spheres open up and there's little tiny brains. Right, we find that, and, and we do get a lot of shots of the tall man sitting in a chair and looking at spheres and talking to them as if he's like Doctor Doom. <laughs> and dead. The three dead looters end up working for the tall man, driving around in their pink hearse and laughing hysterically. And we get some bad gore jokes and bad violence with them. Another chase on the road. And uh, the zombies are able to get just beaten up, punched, shot, blown up, fucked up, killed over, you know, smashed up, stabbed over and over while they crack bad jokes and giggle, which is not the way any of the undead acted. Uh, in the other films, they all seem to basically be just like Return of the Living Dead 3 zombies or Return of the Living Dead 2 zombies. All these elements don't seem to connect to the surviving elements of the other two movies. And it's the movie, I remember what, before I watched it, all I remember from the movies was that it just felt like a zombie movie. Three yeah. zombies cackling after Reggie and um, Rocky and Tim in a really big mausoleum set. It felt cheap, empty. Yeah. And, yeah, the funny thing is about this mausoleum is that, no joke, you watch this now and you go, uh, this looks like a fucking Ed Wood movie, except that it's in color and has better... (laughs) Because the mausoleum has a cryogenic section, (laughs) which consists of one freezer room that looks like you're supposed to put meat in it, and there's nothing in it, and it works, don't ask me how... And a vat that has four dead bodies in it that are frozen. Right, because we have Which is the most fucking ridiculous cheap soap opera Doctor Who set idea of showing what a... This was like, what, 1990-something? This did not read back then. We talked about it before. We see the scene again where the tall man is walking by Reggie's ice cream truck. We have to see that every movie, yeah. And he's like, oh. I do like the cold. So it's like, oh, it's cold. (laughs) Yeah. So it's cold, so... There's a cryogenic thing. And they talk about it like it's, oh, it's that new technology, cryogenics. The the problem is, the way that the second one ended... Because you hadn't seen it like that before. The way the third one ends, now it's like the nightmare films. How will we kill Freddy this time? Right. Well, we got to kill him with the right. book, and we got to kill right. him with this, and we got to kill him with that. And how do we blow There's up a... the ideas here? So, well, we have to have Super Freddy in your TV, Cockroach Freddy, Freddy fights superhero team. They don't know what to do next. But in this one, Freddy didn't have a through line other than we have to kill Freddy, and Freddy hates humanity, and he kills kids, and blah, blah. And he gets in your dreams, and you can somehow get into his and fight him. This actually has this fucking story, but they, they just start throwing ideas around like it's any kind of 
self-contained movie. Right. So they go to a gothic mortuary that somehow had two pieces of cryogenic equipment, a room and a vat. It's, I actually laughed out loud because I didn't remember how ridiculous. It looked like, you know, Ed Wood has a lab and there's one octopus and there's a vat. Hmm. And it's just the equivalent of that. And it's such, it's grasping for ideas. And it's, it's out of, it's just already out of steam. The whole series is out of steam. They're kicking the, the plot with what is Mike and what does the tall man want gets introduced fully and kicked down the street because they don't want to deal with it. And then we get four where they still don't want to deal with it, but that's almost the entire movie. And then we just get generic, time-wasting, silly character introductions and zombie fighting. And more spheres doing stuff that I don't... CGI barely, spheres. CGI spheres, but they also have spheres hanging from the ceiling. Right, which, right. Well, they, they, which is really bad. It well, looks yeah, like a fucking Christmas tree. It does. It really does. Which, especially at the end. At the end. It just doesn't work. The movie is not as badly made as I remembered. It's as disappointing as I remember. Maybe even more so because I was... I was able to pay attention to details because I already knew the general plot from watching it the first time. But there was no way I was going to revisit this film other than to really just figure out what I didn't like. I did not want to watch it. I mean, I would have liked to have been pleasantly surprised. It was shot better than I remember it. I thought, I remember it looking a lot cheaper. It, it looks okay. Okay. It's, it, but it doesn't have any really solid direction like the first two. It doesn't have any ingenuity. It has noise and, and laughing zombies and quirky characters and locations and gimmicks as opposed to interesting nightmare image imagery it has explaining and intimating rather than action and horror there are people who love it right right i, well, don't, I, think I don't know what to is it because mike's back that can't yeah. be all of it that can't be all of it because he's hardly in it well. do they feel more comfortable because he's back but I don't feel that this is an improvement on the second one. I don't understand anybody who can say that. Uh, I mean, personal taste aside. Right. Oh, so at the very end, yeah, they freeze him. Well, so the, so Rocky yeah. Rocky throws him into a va no no. The, so you, you she spears him. Right. And, and they put him in a room. Right. But now we and that now and a, we see he that freezes he, and his head cracks and a gold ball comes out of his so, head. Oh, just like Mike, he has a gold ball. What is now? That don't mean? they destroy the gold ball though? No, they grab yes, the gold ball they and they put it in a, They put it in the, the vat. The, right. It's funny, the two things from the cryogenic, yeah, the yeah, vat and the room, they both get to use. So so we've defeated the... And I like the way they do cryogenics. You throw four bodies into a vat. Right. That's how you do... It's like, holy shit. If right. Lawsuit. And then, and then at the end, they're like, oh, he's defeated. Rocky says... Rocky actually just leaves. I'm getting the fuck out of here. She gets he's into he's... a black hearse or the pink hearse because everybody has to drive a hearse <laughs> and she leaves. Right. Which is incredibly uninteresting. Right. And then... Oh, and she also did almost fool around with Reggie, but it got interrupted. Right. Which was kind of gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I'm... Come on. We, we go back in the place and... I'm trying to remember exactly how that's set up and I can't... Um, uh, they, are they looking for Mike? Was Mike getting operated on in this one? Is this the one where the tall man opens up? Yeah, I up think he was, yeah. His head or some shit or whatever, yeah. and he's trying to... And I honestly can't remember what happens to Jody. Yeah, he just acts like a Kenobi ghost. Right. He shows up in a bowl and then talks to him, and it's really ludicrous. And all... Uh, yeah, so Reggie goes back inside to get something. Right. Which seems stupid. Right. Considering the fact that Reggie's paranoia is gone when he and Rocky stay in these wrecked motels that have no defenses against the gravers even, let alone dwarves or whatever. 
He doesn't even like bother to check if the door's locked. <laughs> he's not putting grenades up or weapons or, or he's lost. He doesn't he's not fully equipped with stuff. At one point you're like, why doesn't he carry a gun? And thankfully he pulls the fucking thing out because bringing a, a, a double shotgun to every fight is ludicrous. It's like bringing a giant mace to an operation. <laughs> and he goes back in, I think, to get the shotgun or something like that because the shotgun and the car have become fetish objects. Right. And Tim goes looking for him. And the door swings open and he's hanging... Tim finds, yeah, Reggie. Halfway up a wall with a bunch of balls wiggling around. And it really looks, it looks bad. looks terrible. It looks terrible. It really looks bad because some of the balls... It looks like a cartoon... It looks like, you know, stop motion animation where they could only afford to move it. But the balls look like Christmas tree balls yeah. put together like that. And then Tim... Gets, sees the tall man yeah, and is blasted through a mirror or a piece of just like in the other two movies through, yeah he's grabbed through glass and he goes now so liz is dead liz is dead do we remember liz no. nope nope does anybody else have a psychic link to anybody nope does reggie remember his family i don't think he mentions him once in three does uh does mike's and jody's parents get mentioned by mike and jody nope do we ever hear about tim again well we do not well, I was going to say, though... Before, Tim disappears, and that's it for Tim. All you're introduced is... Yeah, Mike has a connection with the tall man. There are brains in the balls. Right. They, uh, they scrunch down the bodies, and they put the brains in the balls, but for some reason, they were going to cremate Liz because they didn't know there were brains in the balls and all that stuff. Right. This, and again, this really seems like many steps too many to take over the Earth right. with the dead. I mean, it's Plan 9 from out of space in some ways, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, it's, and it's not very good. If, right. if one is, a, is, a, is nightmare logic and a dream, and two is waking dream, four is, is like an LSD trip fever dream right. that's very boring. It, you, you were bringing up before that, you know, Liz is forgotten. Liz is but, moved right out. But Liz is shown dead, at yes. least, yeah. in three. Tim... Nope. Is, I don't think I don't ever, think they mentioned him once. Uh, it, there's nothing. Fucked him, and that by that yeah they point, fucked him all right. <laughs> by that point, how do you stay invested in this sh series? Well, that's the problem. That's a real problem because you realize that any anybody other than the main three characters is a red shirt. You know, yeah, and and we didn't uh, know that there would be no interesting characters introduced in four, so it didn't really matter. Well, but, technically, they introduce. A character in oh, four, oh and I wish they hadn't, because we four is about the origin of the tall man in a lot of ways. Right. Well, four is a movie where basically they said we have no money, right? The, the, and the... we have to make this film as cheaply as possible. Four would be really cool if it was DVD extra. Four is the disc is disc two, or disc four, of Phantasm. It's not a movie. Yeah. It's a bunch of shit thrown together with a bunch of old. Right, and unused scenes from Phantasm One and a lot of flashbacks. Do you remember when we saw this? How that worked? Do you remember? You were renting the big house, and I had rented the movie and came over. I handed the movie, yeah, to Pat, yeah, to come in the house, but I didn't know where I put the 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 tape. Right. So I thought I lost it, and Pat wouldn't tell me that I had handed it to him. So I went crazy, going, "Where the hell's the tape? Where the hell's the tape?" And I almost went to rent this again. So we could see it because we were so excited to see right. this. Right. Even though movie. three was a disappointment, three didn't feel like three didn't feel like an alien race made it. It also didn't feel like they couldn't make a good one again. Right, right. There was definitely the point that you felt, well, you know, I wasn't paying a ton of attention to what was going on, so it wasn't like I knew that the movie was made for like 
three hot dogs and a dime. The story goes, the movie they wanted to make, they talk about... Was this when they started coming up with the, uh, you know, Phantasm, we're going to have a war, and yeah, Bruce was, Campbell's going to be in right, it? it was like that, As if that makes it a story, though. Right, I think... The, I didn't the, understand that. The whole That's the only way that they describe this movie. Well, it's going to be like a war, and there's going to be all the tall man's plans, and Bruce Campbell's in it. And it makes it sound like Bruce Campbell's a character in the fucking movie. Right. You know, or he's going to play Ash in it. It's a bunch of... Well, the, a lot the of fan nonsense. Yeah, it was supposed to be called like either Phantasm, what, like nineteen ninety nine A.D. or and the, or Phantasm the End. Phantasm the with idea, sorry. But the idea was that, yeah, the I think like a, a good portion of the country was a dead zone, right. Where the tall man had destroyed it, and Bruce Campbell and Reggie would go into the. Now the problem with that is that it, you know to be honest that that sounds unsatisfying too because it sounds like they needed help. It's almost as if literally they had Bruce Campbell saving their characters in their movie because they realized that their movie was in a fucking dead end. You know? I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but Bruce Campbell would have... But if you think about it... Are you saying hiring Bruce Campbell for this was a stunt move? (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, he would have overridden the movie. Right. It would have become a Bruce Campbell crossover with Phantasm rather than a Phantasm movie, which would have felt really fucking weird. But they didn't And the character, his character was... Bruce Campbell is strong enough as Ash... That it would have just felt like, you know, you're waiting for him to put a chainsaw on his fucking arm the and, whole and time. Yeah, well, he might have. He might have, yeah, yeah. But we didn't get that. We got... Although, and that make, to be honest, that makes it makes sense that that's where they would have gone with the tall man's plans. Yes. Although, at this point, what you're basically saying is you want to make World War Zombie. Or but, Army of the Dead or something like that. And in retrospect, showing what they did in 5, it really feels like a situation that there was no way to make this film feel um, satisfactory with that plot because if you got the budget to do five right or to do what was four right the the scenes from five that show these kinds of things you would have basically just had war of the worlds or some nonsense and that wouldn't have felt like a phantasm film in any way sense or form even if it was spielberg directed it and it would have just felt weird but i think i think from paper if you look at it sure first one's a horror film and the second one's a horror action film if you said the next one's a post-apocalyptic horror film, sure like a full they probably would have been better off just saying the entire fucking world was done because then you don't have to deal with the all the stuff that like uh in harry potter got absolutely fucked because when they opened it up to having a wizard war, she doesn't know how to write an epic, and the films had to follow her her story, is that there's this huge event going on, and the rest of the world has to sort of be invisibled. Right. And you have to work around... Uh, in her case, it was, she didn't want to deal with the human world, and planes and tanks and everybody going crazy and reacting to this stuff. And in budget world, you can't throw... you know. So when you if you destroy half the half of America and you're going to go for a big fight against a single faction. It's not like Dawn of the Dead where you can just show what's happening on the television. Right. You really kind of want to know what the army's doing, what the this right. it, it would feel different. I don't know. I just don't think they could have pulled it off and made it feel work right without it feeling well like the fifth movie, I guess. I said before if none of the movies feel like a contractual obligation, four feels like that. I, I remember so little about this movie. I remember... I only remember the flashbacks. I remember Angus Scrim pouring lemonade on a 
fucking wraparound yeah. porch. Yeah, yeah. Um, Angus Scrim is like you know Petbridge Farm remembers, right. but because the, the Mike cause, forgets. Because the central part of this is to give an origin. The last like, thing I wanted to see in this mo- in these films personally was an origin to the Tall. But Man. it's also it's also to me stupid. The origin it is, is it's, terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It's 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 low level Lovecraft. It's just it's and they spend so much time on it as if it's a huge revelation. Four starts at the end of three. three. Yeah. Except Tim is railroaded Never. out. Right. Reggie is let go. Right. Because there's no other way to get out of this. Right. I almost don't know why they even fucking ended the last movie like that. I mean, even if you think for a day, look, we don't know if we'll make another movie or anything. Just showing a lot of balls, you should just go, wait a minute, you know what? Maybe if we, why pin him to, I mean, it's just, literally the tall man just says, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Okay? Stop fucking around. You don't know any of this stuff. There are things happening. This is my plan. This is my game. Oh, you're in trouble. I'm letting you go because we have to have a movie. But don't... I won't let you go in the next movie. And so he lets him go. Right. With a bunch of words. Right. That are supposed to be plot. Right. But are just basically that, you know, more Jody hoo-ha of things are happening. We can't tell you what they are because we can't afford to show them or we don't know them yet. But, it's like a fucking TV series, and they're like promising you a finale eventually. But these are movies, and they're supposed to stand on their own well, to some degree. Imagine watching, forget watching three on its own and being confused. Oh, Jesus Christ. But imagine watching four without ever having seen another. And five is a real fun. Well, because, four. And four has a huge flashback. Just like, I mean, it just, they rely a lot yeah. more on old footage. Well, four, actually, four is full of flashback. And never used before. Yeah, unused actors. footage, which is fascinating, but that's not a movie. And an origin that now says that the tall man is Jebediah. Jebediah, Moore, old man. Ski. He's a Civil War surgeon, which made me think what? of... Uh, it's not the same thing, but it reminded me a little bit of uh, Reanimator. Oh, Herbert West. Of Herbert West working on uh, on bodies. Jebediah was a surgeon. He did a lot of surgery in the Civil War. Death interested or perplexed him. And he got interested in vibrations. Yeah. Because they had to shoehorn in the facts of the earlier movies and get to the... The tuning fork. Somehow vibrations got him a device that allowed him to go into other dimensions. Yeah. It makes less sense but, than the dream imagery but, stuff. But the problem is... And the, does, set, the, the fucking how, soap does, opera set of his lab is oh, terrible. Right, right. But He's got does, two cranks and a telephone. Yeah, I know. It's very, it's very 50s rocket band. Not even though. They, at least they cover the walls with lights and shit. He's got a desk. He's got some test tubes. He's a minimalist. And he's got, and he, yeah. And he's got like two cranks. And he goes, oh, we're cranking these yeah. up. And then he's got... The only interesting idea was these two electrodes that served as the tuning fork things. But how do they serve as a tuning fork? But here's the problem that I have. So are we led to believe that he went into another dimension and someone put a gold sphere in him? Oh, it's very hard to figure out because they don't go into it, really. So why did they give him an origin that wasn't really an origin? Well, his origin is kind of like he went somewhere... Something happened, and the tall man showed up in his body, or like his body, or him with a gold thing and the tall man's uh, brain. It doesn't make any sense. He does. There's no story there. He was interested in vibrations because we have a tuning fork to deal with in in the first and second uh, movies, and then, and I think they use it in the third movie to blow up a sphere. He goes from being a civil war surgeon to being interested in musical vibrations or sound vibrations. I don't know how you make that logic jump. He read something in a book, maybe. 
and he walks through this into this other dimension and he comes out and he's mad he's not the he's not jebediah anymore why do i want to humanize him why do i want to have facts about his background that have really nothing to do with the tall man other than possession i don't know it, i don't it, know what it, i don't so know the basically point. it makes the tall man less and more at the same time because this so he's just a thing that's out there that invaded this guy and then spent 200 years no no a hundred and something years doing nothing well, he what, was, he dig up a grave here and a grave there before he finally got to that town in the first exactly, movie? Exactly. Till he got out a bank loan that helped yeah, him he grow was like, his oh, business. I've spent too much <laughs> on the sets. This Wankel rotary engine. It, it is, it these is, lights. Look, this Would movie, you like some lemonade? I'm broke, they, boy. It doesn't give you a satisfactory origin. This is a placeholder movie because they couldn't make their post-apocalyptic right, right. one. So they give you an origin that doesn't fit into the series. Flashbacks that are confusing, not dream. Well, you get the flashbacks to this is him. He was an undertaker once, and that's how we have that picture. And he likes vibrations because we say so. And then he goes into a dimension and becomes the tall man because we need these to happen. And we don't have any money, so doing this stuff is cheap. And we can get some uh, reenactment players and stuff to be in this right, thing. Right, right. I read about that. I read about that. And, and, and they don't even really use them. So they end up on a set of like Friday the 13th, the series, with one of the mad dentists <laughs> or something. It just does not work. It's not, uh, it's not interesting. It's not scary. It's not creepy. It's not fascinating. It doesn't make sense. And we're watching this through Mike and Jody time traveling through some bad laser effects, like they were just in a laser tag. What was the one that we played? Uh, a photon. Photon. And it's just like smoke and lights, like, yeah. you know, like Pink Floyd cover <laughs> band is coming out. And they're walking through some, it's just fucking, it's just subpar in every way. And Jody is still turning into a sphere and saying cryptic things. The, the tall man who's Jebediah for no fucking reason other than we had that photo or something in the they are the retconning going on in this thing with no budget is so sad and unexciting and they're not even selling their ideas well nothing lands i don't think there's a part of four that i like oh god and meanwhile mike is walking around in the desert because yeah, that's what you want to see in your horror action yeah, film. Walking, a guy walking around. Well, he's confused. In he's the rocks. Himself. And the dwarves are running around there in the daylight. So it really fucking looks like Jawas now. I can't believe no one said, is this a joke? You've got little, you've got little people in brown robes scuddling by and making noises in Death Valley. You've got Mike walking around Tatooine. Yeah. yeah and it, he's it, developing Jedi powers. Right. He does He does have telekinesis now. So, yeah, he learns how to smash a spider with a rock, and then he smashes a dwarf with a rock. I don't think, if I remember, he doesn't really use these powers again. He uses them slightly when he rigs a trap to kill the tall man, which sucks. But they just start throwing ideas around because they don't know what to do. They're limited by budget. They're limited by talent they're limited and they're limited in ideas because they're trapped by what they're trying to connect the dots with right they try to make a, a coherent story out of it and they a can't dream. they can't even afford cartoon characters like in the third and fifth one can't even afford to yeah. have like wacky i think they might have one grizzled garage operator <laughs> who uh sells a car right you know and the obsession with the cars becomes weird the the car guy shit going on in this movie like the cars are become like this major source of screen time 
fixing them, breaking down on them, fighting in them, driving them, stealing them, shooting at them. Uh, it gets really dull to have the same yeah. scenes emulated over and over. Right. Oh, oh, and before we forget, because you mentioned she comes back, is psychic from the first movie. That's that's the thing that yeah I was good, that I was alluding to. I, it's like it's a very Lynchian moment that has absolutely no payoff. It's just some smoke and mirrors. The the psychic grandmother from the first movie is sitting on the porch when we meet Jebediah, the future tall man who's giving us lemonade. You know when you're watching something that you don't really understand exactly what's going on. You know when the camera and the filmmakers make you pay attention to something that there's some importance to it. Easter eggs are, should be Easter eggs. If you were watching this movie and they, the camera lingered on this old lady on the porch, you'd be wondering, well, what, what's the importance here? She never comes back. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't do anything. If you've watched the first movie, you know what's going on here. But even if you've watched the second and the third, you don't. There's another thing that happens in four in that uh, Reggie picks up... A, is it four? Yes. Reggie yeah, picks the, up another woman. Right. These scenes are horrible. And this one is where she... He she, picks up a woman. First, he doesn't pick her up. She's having car trouble. Okay, and he's at some rest stop or something like that. And also there's narration in this one from lots of points of view. Very obnoxious. Uh, Mike's having narr narrating shit. Reggie's narrating. It's fucking awful. And then Reggie sees this one attractive young lady in the middle of the desert at this rundown tourist stop. Not only does he not talk to her when you're expecting that because her car's not working. He drives off and then he sees her on the road somewhere else. Now, he has picked up two women before. One of them tried to kill him. Uh, the other one didn't, and he should never have picked her up. Then he sees this blonde woman that he saw earlier in the middle of nowhere on the side of the road, and he picks her up. And they don't even have time to do anything with her except show her body naked. Which... And then show... This is like 40, 45 minutes into the movie. And she's used as eye candy. And she's used as someone for him to explain the movie to, of what happened that far into the movie. And she goes, oh, you're crazy, Reggie. And it turns out she's another dead girl. Because her... She's got spheres in her tits. Yeah. Which is the most embarrassing thing in probably all five movies. Now, I'm sure that there's some, some people out there who just thought that was cool as fuck and funny. And it's awful. Yeah. It's an awful scene. In the third movie on... Coscarelli just starts throwing shit against the wall. Phillips screen time. This is one of those things where like Lucas, it's like where the, the person who actually created the characters and the situations maybe didn't have what it takes to see them through. He couldn't put the movies together, so they made what they could. But since he was the director and the screenwriter, nobody would say, Don, this scene is stupid. Right. Yeah. I, I, Even Friday the 13th films, which stink to high heaven, a lot of them, you go, well, I understand why they made this. But the Phantasm films feels so unnecessary yeah i mean after watching this you go well it can't get lower than this right it's the, that's the truth because so and the, the big thing about this movie is yes you find out all the tall man stuff it it's not satisfying you don't buy i don't buy into it and it doesn't and i'm sitting there going okay when do they explain what happened they don't he went into another dimension and he came back the tall man does he have a globe in his head i don't know a, a sphere is it him Apparently it's not. It's the tall man. Why is the tall man coming here just to run a, to, to sit around for a hundred years and do nothing? It's not like he's working on technology unless he's bringing the tuning forks in because he does. He basically does nothing. He drinks lemonade. 
So, and here's another thing. When you find out in four that he's a local surgeon in the town and that somebody must have found his equipment after he supposedly died or did he never die? Don't you feel like in a small town this guy would be famous? So that when Mike finds the picture of this weird undertaker, people know what the fuck... No, it, because... You know what I'm saying? If this was a game of, of Call of Cthulhu or a movie that knew where it was going from the beginning... They would go to the uh, they go to City Hall. They right. go to the Hall of Records, and this guy would be found. He's obviously a historical figure in this town, who would be well known with his big. He's got a house and yeah, he had, yeah. and nobody goes. Hey, look, that's Jebediah fucking fuck. Yeah, you you can't go there because it's right. I mean, I know who Alice Austin is. You know right, what I mean? But because but, but you know you know what I mean. Local people know who grew up in a place like that. There should be local lore. Right, but but you, you, yeah, you're going into places that right. they're not doing with that. This. They can't they, they, do. Well, they can't. I understand that, but they, I don't think they should have even bothered to show oh, this. Obviously, stuff. but it was cheap, and it seemed like a good idea, and people want to. People always want to know too much. This movie is is awful. Too. The interesting thing is they show those flashbacks. Yeah, they show flashbacks to the first movie, which is fascinating on several accounts. Uh, one, it's really cool to see. They, they show cut material from the first movie. Right. There's scenes of... Is there hanging? There's a scene, There's a really neat scene where you see Mike uh, stealing ice cream from Reggie's truck. Okay. And Reggie knows he's doing it. It's just a cute bit of business. Plus, it's nice to see more of the town. It gives you a sense of place. Uh, it gives you a sense of their relationship. And also, it further nails home the idea that Mike really has no life. He lives in his, you know, his head in his room. He he doesn't have friends. It's interesting, you know. I just like, I, and I like. I think there's also a scene in a in a ice cream shop with Jody's girlfriend that was cut, but they don't show it. There's a scene which incorporates some of the scenes of the 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 ending of the first movie with the boulders when they kill the tall man, and it shows the tall man chasing him, and Mike and Jody have contrived a trap for him to get him into a noose and they hang him from a tree. And it's weird because it you watch it and you go, oh, that's kind of cool because, oh, because Mike was going to try to kill himself. And he has flashbacks to this. And then the tall man won't let him die. Right. Because And then there's a lot of, then they show there's like 40 of the tuning fork portals in the desert, which they don't really do anything with, if I remember. It's just it's just literally fan service and showing shit you remember. So you go, whoa, there's more of them now. And it just feels empty. So Mike and Jody hang the tall man and drive off without... I don't know why they don't fill him full of lead or whatever. And why nobody finds the tall man hanging in a tree. Because Mike comes back that night or the day later and the tall man says, release me. Let right. me go. And the scene is actually silly. And it, it makes sense that they cut it. Because it's not, it doesn't make any sense. It's a cool visual that he's just hanging in this tree for a day. It's, it's very fairy tale like and fable like. But the tall man basically goes, I'll go away. <laughs> Pretty much like that, winking practically at the audience. I'm, really? Yes, I will never bother you again. Are you, okay. And he lets him down, and the tall man goes, like, yeah, like The tall man like, gives him the finger. It's just like, you know, ha ha ha, boy. And it's, it's a dumb scene in that, in that regard. But here's the thing. First of all, that stuff's fascinating, but it's not a movie. None of them add to the movie except at the end, we see a shot of Reggie and Mike in the ice cream truck at the first movie, mm. and they they hear something, and it plays into whatever happened in that movie, but they cut this scene. 
Mike hears something and goes, did you hear something? And Reggie says, no, it's something from the fourth movie that Mike is reacting to. It's a neat bit of business. It makes no sense. It doesn't play into anything for, you know, it doesn't, doesn't gel. But it's a really interesting use of the footage. The other footage just feels desperate. Mm. This is why I call it the, the, um, the DVD extras, because that's all this feels like. And he's having flashbacks to stuff that didn't happen. The first movie is a dream. And he's having flashbacks to things that happened before he woke up. So what the fuck? Which you can look at in two ways. One, we don't give a shit. Right. Two, everything's crazy. But the funny thing is, the fourth movie is actually extremely linear. Everything is presented, even though it jumps around in time and has flashbacks. Right. These things are all presented as cold, hard facts, and it almost is basically just a lesson in explaining things. Think that what happened, and at the end, Mike makes, he uses his Jedi mind tricks to make a gold sphere of sorts and inserts it into the engine of his car, which is kind of neat, but doesn't really make sense. But it looks cool. And then the tall man shows up, and Reggie shows up. And the tall man's still doing that come with me boy work. You know, he's acting like Darth Vader, basically. You know, we'll work together and shit. And Mike sends the sphere at him. So I don't know why he put it in the car engine. Really? Necessarily? I mean, I'm missing something. But the sphere comes out of the car engine, attacks the tall man. But it's a ruse for a bomb that he placed in the car. The bomb blows up and the tall man dies. If I have this correctly, that's why I wish I might. The tall man dies, but then shows up again. They see another tall man, and they run away. Fuck happened at the end of this thing. Well, doesn't he, he goes. He, I think Mike runs away, or is dead. Well, don't doesn't he take the doesn't he take the gold? He takes the ball out of Mike's head. Right. He takes, and he leaves. Right. And he just fucks. Which up. makes it think like he didn't need Mike. Right. He just needed the golden sphere, which he could have probably gotten at any moment, unless Mike was fighting. But we have to, we have to think, we have to make shit up to understand why you're chasing somebody when you just needed their keys, and at any time could have had those keys, most likely. And he leaves, and Reggie jumps in after him, and I think that's the end. I don't think I think that's the. It ends on a cliffhanger, but it doesn't end on anybody in immediate danger, or yeah. you're not sure what happened. Reggie is obviously in some strange place, but he's following the tall man. This is it. He's going after the tall man. He's going down that interdimensional hallway. And Mike is possibly dead, I think. He might, I think he's, that's actually what happened, if I remember. Uh, he's, he's gotten his, the globe pulled out. Or he's not dead and he's brain... You know, Mike's inefficient. It's stupid. Yeah. And it's, very un, it's, it's incredibly unsatisfying and it makes you wish that... Th- you were watching three. That's how bad it was. Well, you wish you were watching one or two, in my mm. opinion. And there's people who love it because it builds on the mythos, even if it's not satisfying. It's more of what you want. You want to see these characters. It's the second worst one. And that's the thing. It's the second worst one. Yeah. I remember thinking it was at least more interesting and eerier because of the use of the old footage that was cut. But that's just really... A stunt that does not pay off, and it just all I remember about this movie is they're in a desert. It's very, very boring. Mike is always miserable. It turns out Jody is evil, although that really doesn't ring true with what we've been seeing. Jody keeps showing up as that bad sphere effect and talking to them as a sphere sometimes, so you're getting a lot of non dialogue shooting, which saves money too. And Jody is telling him things, and and I don't remember exactly why, but. Reggie says, don't trust Jody. 
because that's what's in the script. He never said that in the third one. I mean, he didn't like this. You know what I mean? It's just so fucking weird. They're talking to a ball. And then Jody is helping the tall man to try to open him up on an operating table in a mausoleum. Because he saw the tuning fork in the flashback and remember the tuning fork, he has a tuning fork with him. I think Reggie gave it to him and he taps it on the operating table when he wakes up and it freezes the two of them because I don't know why, vibrations. And he uses the saw that they were using to open up his brain and he slices uh, Jody's throat out. Now he is he a ball? Is he not a ball? Why did he be why did they why was he alive for two movies just to be a fucking narrator when it turns out he's a but doesn't another he, tall man but doesn't dupe. he help him doesn't he help but that's him? what i thought i thought he helped him and he, i mean why but does no, he i thought to... at the end mike at some point my uh jody, jody helps mike i don't remember now you just watched that again one of the problems with the movies is that there's replication of sequences and images and characters doing certain things and scenes in the second movie but they tweak them and they have money to punch them up a bit and change them a bit and play with your expectations and then they have no money in three four and five and they still try to do the same thing and they have to lower everything and why keep going back to car chases why keep going back to the shotgun jokes why keep going back to more spheres with more ludicrous abilities they have eyeballs sticking out of them but we already saw that they could see things. We, we saw their point of view. It looked like they had eyes yeah. inside them. Why do they need an exterior eye? Oh, because an eyeball sphere is cheap and looks cool and is a new toy. Uh, you know, we keep bringing back women to, to, to bump them off or have them be evil. So we've had two women he picks up now be monsters. And he doesn't even say to himself, stop picking up girls. Because he picks up another one in the fifth yep. movie. Yep. And these scenes get repeated. Somebody's on an operating table. Mike's brain is leaking. It becomes a fucking blur. Yeah. It becomes more of a blur than the Friday the 13th films. And I have problems remembering anything that happens in them. But at least I know, well, 3D, this one. I couldn't tell you which kids get killed in which movie. But it kind of doesn't matter because the only interconnection in those movies is the legend of Jason. Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. But otherwise, they, you know, you're not following a movie that's we're hunting Jason for 13 movies. Thank yeah. God. But this thing's supposed to kind of sort of make sense. Because they decided that they would start explaining things. Right. Badly. Right. Very badly. And to the point where you'd think that this was actually like some 18-year-old fan who was allowed to take over the movie. Well, speaking of which... I guess we should get... So, yeah, the, the, the last one ends with Jody gone again. None of the dead people are mentioned. Nobody comes back except for our two main characters and the tall man. We've seen more multiple tall men. And we don't know why he needs Mike. We don't know what the fuck's really going on. Terrible. Yeah. Just terrible. I mean, if you think if you like weird just for weird's sake, you might enjoy this. But it's to be it's it's a it's an absolute empty film. Yeah. And still somehow better than the than the last one. Because the last one literally feels like it's a fanfic that someone uploaded on YouTube. Which it kind of is. Yeah. To a degree, the guy who wrote it and directed it, co-wrote it and directed it, is an Uber fan. And the interviews with him were exactly what you might think they were. Giddy with his own ideas. I mean, I understand that you're a fan of something and you want to have fan service and you want to, you know, you're excited. There seems to be no perspective on what makes the films work if you're such a big fan. The last movie... Which is which is, so the, the third one is The third one is Lord of the Dead. Right. Okay, I get it. The fourth one is Oblivion. Right yeah that's how it kind of feels and the fifth one is ravager i don't understand that at all 
I guess they ravage the planet. Yeah, I guess. They ravage your expectations. The fourth one is terrible. The third one is bad. The fifth one is probably one of the most disappointing movies I've ever seen where I just honestly was like, why do they, you know, why? Yeah, yeah. Because... I felt foolish because I felt like I was a 16-year-old writing to a fan magazine and complaining in my head when I watched it. Well, you, you described the fourth one as like DVD extras. The fifth one feels like it's a TV reunion special. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, or you know, somebody in France in 1980 got the rights to make it as a TV movie, and they ran out of money right. to complete it. So the and Italians came in, it's... and then they got two people from the first movie to come in. One of them died in the middle of filming. The fifth one feels like an HBO direct movie that hauls Boris Karloff out from 1969. One of those yeah. uh, Mexican films where Boris is dying. Yeah, there are so many things wrong with the fifth one. The fifth one is embarrassing. The fourth one is just well, the, the, fucking unreal. But the fifth one is... It doesn't quite feel professional. No, it doesn't. It, it, it really, really feels doesn't. like an amateur movie. It feels less professional than the first movie because movies looked like that back then. Right. And you were used to independent films being grainier, a little unpolished. Sure. Also, I watched the remastered Phantasm. Yeah. And it looks it's, yeah, it's sharper gorgeous. and yeah. it looks really good. Uh, even with bad effects, even with a bug coming out of a box, the fifth one doesn't look like doesn't look like a movie. Doesn't feel like a movie. Doesn't well, play out like a movie. Yeah, it, it feels like a big music video or something. Yeah, I don't it, know what. It, I don't know well, how to describe. We, it. we we don't come from an age of people growing up on like sci-fi channel originals. That kind of I didn't watch those. You so, know, yeah, but that's what this looks. Yeah, like. Yeah, kind of really cheap CGI. Yeah, right. Really cheap. But those fake movies. Effects. Those movies are usually like tongue in cheek. And that's a big problem with the fifth movie is that the fifth movie has a lot of sections where um, the dumb humor of the third and fourth movie goes into overdrive. Yeah. I mean, there's just dumb scenes that go on for extended periods and you're wondering whether they thought they were being funny or if, they're, if there was just nobody slept for three nights. Both times I watched it, there were scenes where I'm almost holding my head going, what the fuck are they doing? I remember watching the fifth one and thinking at times... Was this made by somebody who wanted to fuck the franchise over? Well, what, did you actually come here to steamroll the franchise on purpose? Did you did you want no one to ever be interested in watching the other films? The the funny thing is, we were talking about how the third film introduces the idea that the tall man is interested in Mike beyond the fact that he just there's some sort of shared fate right. or plan or right. he's his son or some bullshit or he's the tall man he's the tall is, man right. or Mike is the key to breaking into the other these other cosmos. Is, yeah. yeah, I like to drink Mike blood, and right. it's the only Whatever. blood I can have. Yeah, fifth fifth movie doesn't care about that. That's totally thrown out the window. Uh, right? There's no, there's no, there's yeah, no concern. You're right. I think you're pretty much right. I I wouldn't be surprised if there's some bullshit dialogue. You know what? There's some dialogue between the tall man and Reggie, which basically is of the usual from the fucking third movie on. You don't know what's going on. This game is now over. <laughs> you, you know, the, the owls are mysterious. <laughs> Checkmate, Bana asshole. Yeah, uh, Bananistan, Afghanistan. They're just saying, he's just saying cliche evil villain shit that villains have been saying since there's been fictional villains. You know, Fu Manchu, Dr. Doom, Darth Vader, you know... None of you condescending horseshit that never ends up getting explained. It's just nonsense. The fourth one, when they have interactions, the tall man is still playing around with this. You shouldn't be getting involved with this. 
you know, go home. Yeah, why doesn't he just kill him? If you know, if you don't need Reggie, in the fifth movie, the they explain why the tall man hasn't killed Reggie, and it's that every tall man should have his like diversions. Like it, it literally comes down to. I'm having a good time. Hold on, hold on. Oh, Come kitty, on, kid. Kitty, you can't. Kitty, why do you want my? Get, get off, kitty. Come on, come on. Come to me. Come, come to me, boy. boy. I love you. He's a good boy. Milo, 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 milo. So, um, yeah, the the fifth movie is. I actually wrote down every scene transition of the fifth movie in my notes because I was trying to actually follow it, the logic or illogic, and the fifth movie is just basically a terrible mind fuck. Yeah. The fifth movie is, from the beginning, nothing is real, everything is real, nothing matters, everything matters, the, everything happened, nothing happened. Go home and make your own Phantasm movie, kids. Look, I'll give, I'll give it credit. It tries the idea. The reason maybe these movies are so fucked up is because maybe they can all be happening because of other dimensions. Well, there's, there's a couple. Budget. Yeah, you could either read these movies as... The fever dreams of people, or the fever dreams of Reggie, right? Because as he's dying, right? Or you are able to go. All possibilities are real because it turns out that there are more, many more dimensions. There's a tall man in every one of these dimensions, and uh, this is what franchises do when they run out of ideas. They just go crazy. So, the main movies of the Marvel six three six or whatever they call it, and then these could all be. You know, this could just be people got hepped to the other dimensions, or it, it, you could make up your own ending, right? Because you know, I, I, I which after five movies is a cheat, right, In my could, opinion, but so in this movie, you, you you essentially have like kind of three realities, right? You have a present day. Yes, there Reggie, are there are three. Yeah, right. There's a present day continuation of the other movies of the fourth movie. Yeah, right. Because this one also starts after the fourth movie, although it cheats. Right. It just what has him come. Um, out of the woods well, or they don't talk about where he went. Yeah, he just he comes. literally just comes out of the desert. Except right, because in the last movie he puts on his his ice cream suit again. Yeah, right. Yeah, he puts on the ice cream suit. He goes through the portal. Yippee kaye, motherfucker! And that's just explained away in a sentence. I don't know where I was, or I was somewhere. Right. Which is horrible. Which means that there was absolutely no. It's it's the equivalent of a cliffhanger. Somebody's literally hanging off a cliff, and then we see them in the next movie in a French uh, bistro saying, wow, I wonder what happened. But yeah, he, Reggie is in the real world, in his ice cream suit, with a gun, I think. He can't find his car. But here's the other thing. This movie was made in 2002? I don't remember. No, no, it's it was made over a couple of. It came out right. In they made it sixteen. They made it as a. Oh God, I don't but remember. But it came. But it came out. They didn't tell people they it were was, making it. It's it. a series of shorts. Years. It was yeah. a series of shorts that they yeah. made, and yeah. it really certainly plays out that way. Right. The pro. Some. Well, we can get to this at the end, but th- there are serious problems about the aging of the actors, because yes. normally yes. I don't want. I don't want to yes. talk about people's looks. I don't want to talk about. But this becomes. Yeah. You um, can't avoid it. Right. Right. You're, you're, In every movie. The actors, Especially since Angus Grimm is, is dies before this movie actually comes out. It, it's it's an uncharitable view of this. A charitable view of this, which I believe is the real thing, is that they loved they loved working with Angus. Yeah. This was not a case of him being shipped down to Mexico to be box office for four movies that were made for dimes while Boris Karloff is dying in a wheelchair. I don't think they were exploiting him. 
but it comes off really exploitative. Uh, we could talk about yeah, it because sure. it's actually a thing that runs through the movies like a lot of the other elements. It's, right. It becomes its own thing. Right. Um, the gaps between these films and how that affects the movies as much as the budget. So, yeah, Reggie comes out of events that are never discussed or talked about. You're just supposed to, you know, those just get the cold shoulder. Like the other movies, we see what happens directly after the last movie. Unlike the other movies, we don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah. He just all of a sudden is back. And uh, they blow it off. And he also finds himself in a hospital, right? Is that well, the second? What, what, what we have, yeah, what we have is we have yeah the present day timeline that's a continuation of, of 4. We find him in a hospital with... Mike. With Mike, and that he has dementia all he's, time. He's got dementia, and Mike is a friend of his, and none of this has happened. This is all. This uh, is all. This his... is all a fantasy in Reggie's head. Right. That he has told Mike, and it's not even a dream. I mean, it's a it's it's a it's a demented fantasy in his aging brain. Right. And he's dying. And he's dying. And then there's the future. And then there's a future which is. It's like ten years after you know, the movie. It's like ten years after the desert scene. Right. The, and it's the closest thing you get to that post-apocalyptic version of like the world's gone totally fucked, yeah, and this is all the entire world is being destroyed by uh, zombies, dwarves, spheres, and monstrous spheres that are like the size of buildings. The Epcot yeah. Center. Somehow, all we get to see of it though is a hallway. <laughs> There's basically. The, the the entire saving of the world is well the the freedom fighting is all done in hallways of a hospital yeah it's fucking awful now I tracked this knowing what the first the first time I watched it so I tracked it in my book every time there was a transition I went da, 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 da. okay I don't have my notes with me that's not super bad but um, but the funny thing is that it, the, there's the cheat that Reggie's dementia. He starts to narrate his story to Mike. We have some business in the real world, let's call it. The film continuity. And he's telling the film continuity to Mike. The problem is he's, this is all supposed to be a dream or a, deme or a dementia, but he's relating the dream as a cameraman, as a filmmaker. We're seeing shots outside houses. We're seeing things in rooms that he's not in, so he shouldn't know what's going on in them. It's just kind of not the worst cheat on earth, you know. It, right. But it's but we start getting into flashback within flashback stuff, dream within dream, and he starts to see characters thinking about things and having actions that he has no privy to. It's annoying as hell, but whatever. I mean, at the same time, this is the fifth movie, and in the fourth movie, they had flashbacks to what was supposed to have not happened. Fucking ridiculous. So, yeah, there's three timelines, and we keep cutting in between them all, sometimes multiple times within minutes. This allows them to chop the film up. This allows them to keep you off balance. This allows a semblance of the dream logic, and it also allows them to never end a fucking sequence <laughs> with an actual transition other than I open a door and I'm in a new place. It's, it's just fuckery. You've seen it before, you know what I mean? It's been done before. I'm in two worlds, three worlds. The dream logic of, you know, never knowing where you're, where you're going to be. Somebody yells to him, he looks, it's Mike on the bench. Mike says something, it's Reggie in the, in the, in the woods from before. It's very unsatisfying, it's jerky. Nothing lands. It's terrible looking. 
Yeah. And it just becomes confused. It doesn't even become confusing because you don't care. Right. You it, don't it, give a shit. It's a mishmash. I felt as as soon as they introduced the possibility that this was all in Reggie's... I shut down. I, I almost like, shut down completely. And that's and, like in the first 10 minutes. And 10 I'm minutes like, this after. is not... Well, actually, is... I, I think I shut down even before then it, because I don't know the order of the films. But the first comedy scene was so fucking bad. It just set a tone for this movie. So, yeah, in 5, he comes out of the desert... He, he stops a car, which, which turns out to car. be his car. Right. Now, we're in the desert. The desert is not scary. It's not fascinating. This isn't fucking uh, walkabout. You know what I mean? This is not a, a use of the desert as this beautiful location. To move the movies from this mausoleums to the desert is super boring. Uh, maybe for one movie, but not for two. And uh, although that's true, we end up in hospital rooms. A lot of hospital rooms, <laughs> a lot of corridors, yeah. and a lot of CGI video game Oof. scenes Oof. and so in the in the real world reggie is basically doing the same old same old he has gotten his car back he's gotten his gun a gun back somebody a guy stole his car and they have this scene where the scene is terrible he, he proves that he has you know he, he's oh i had a car like this because i used to keep a gun in like, the yeah and the guy goes looks for it he goes no it wasn't that was the glove compartment he Pulls the gun out, which is their idea of a cool scene. Right. So now, As if anyone who steals a car doesn't go through the glove compartment. Right. So, so Give now, me a fucking break. So now Reggie makes that guy get out of the car. And he makes, he makes him, him take... Well, Reggie's clothes are destroyed, so he takes the guy's clothes off. Ha ha, look, there's a, an overweight guy in his underwear in the middle of the desert. Right. Who's, you know, a cart, another cartoon character. He's making noises. You know, he's just another right. stupid character. And he's also there just to be sphered. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, two spheres just come for for worst CGI really looks cheap, and it looks it looks like a fan made it. It, it looks like it doesn't even. Like, there are fans who can make things with Cthulhu, you know, stomping through a city now in the smoke and in the mist, and it looks fucking amazing. The two spheres look like they're held in position like flying saucers in a 1950s film. They just look like they've been dropped in right. on the footage. And then doesn't Reggie shoot them? Reggie's just shoot well one kills the guy and that's hilarious if you think two balls chasing a car is exciting well watch this because it's not and Reggie's shooting wildly at them and uh, he's saying his jokes and uh, he blows up one of them and then he runs over the really bad rubber body of the funny victim okay Um, I mean they should just have t-shirts that go sphere gonna kill me or so you know what I mean sphere victim with a because it's just amazing how they have somebody show up in every one of these movies, go hello, and get only the priest gets to actually have a scene or two before he gets it. Yeah, there's just a car chase, and who gives a shit? But we end up with the second timeline, which is Reggie waking up in a wheelchair, being wheeled by Mike. They sit on a bench, and interminable scenes of them talking on this bench throughout the movie, <laughs> and Mike going, Mike looking really old, really tired. Yeah. Like he hasn't been in a movie in 12 years or whatever because he hasn't. And him telling Reggie, no, Reg, you are you have dementia. And it's just inert. Those scenes are all terrible. Right. And does But doesn't he... The future is it, is doesn't it, come back for a while. We don't get the future for a while. We does, get Reg on walking around the woods for reasons that I don't remember. Right. And, and but, he sees a giant sphere. But isn't Mike, isn't Mike's purpose there in this movie to kind of go... Maybe there's dimensions and maybe there's... He comes back later and says, I read a book. Okay. I mean, it's, it literally is like, well, the people who made this read a book. 
and we've got some explaining to do. And it's because I give it's you non- credit because I've only seen this once and I would not rewatch this movie. I didn't think I'd ever rewatch it, but I, you know what I mean. I it was one that You're I could a better man than I. Not really, and you know that I couldn't. <laughs> win, could I beat you in a fight? I don't know. It depends. Would it be fair fight? Well, no. You'd be you'd be in a wheelchair and you'd have Mike sitting on your hands, and I'd have a baseball, a real big baseball. Big, I'd have that that baseball bat that the Gorilla Gas House Gang used in the Bunny cartoon. Yeah, the one that's a tree. Oh yeah. And then I get five shots at you. One, two, three strikes. And you have to watch Phantasm Five while this is happening. Oh fuck you. So um, the future doesn't actually come for a while, although aspects of it do, because we see our first giant sphere, which is probably the only nice shot in the movie, okay. even though it doesn't look good. Oh, no, this happens a little bit later because we have to get... Okay, we got to get... Who is listening to this still? <laughs> this might have to be 18 episodes. This is... His, let's see. He picks up another girl. Yeah. Literally, another. there's another girl. Reggie's driving around now that he has his car, and he has his, he has clothes, and he has his gun. He has lost his uh, um, registration and license. The cop, the zombie cop in number four. Remember, there's a protracted scene in number four where he just fights a zombie Dang, cop. A guy stops him on the road, and you're sitting there going, this is Night of the Comet, right? Except that it's Night of the Comet plus Highway to Hell, or whatever the fuck oh, that was wow. called. Yeah. Because it's basically, which I have not seen, but you know, all you have to do is see the poster to make references to things. Because we have an extended scene in four, because they don't know what to do with themselves, where Reggie fights a zombie cop. The he doesn't have. I just thought it's like you know he doesn't have his license and registration. I don't know why that bothered me, <laughs> but it, it turns out it doesn't matter. Yeah, because I have dementia uh, from watching this movie. So he picks up a girl, and this is where we get into the bulk of scenes where he should not know what he's not what he knows because he's telling Mike about. He picks up this girl. They go to her house, and we get the obligatory he hits on her scene. She doesn't go for it. That's nice. She goes upstairs and he plays one of his songs. And we get uh, location shots outside of the house to show that people are asleep, which is, that's the way everyone dreams, right? Everyone dreams <laughs> in storyboards. And then we get a shot of her upstairs listening to him because he knows what she was doing. I mean, we right. don't know what she was doing. She could have been feeding fish. She could have been playing Animal Crossing. That's what I would rather be doing. And he plays the song and then he wakes up after probably one of the transitions to the dementia time. Because there's a lot of waking up in the, you know, wake up. And you wake up in the other scenes, the, the other timelines. So Reggie goes up into her room. Oh, it turns out she did want to have sex with him. He's asleep in this in the present day time. And somehow knows that she has come downstairs to say, hi, Reggie. But he's asleep. But he's not dreaming. He's supposed to be demented. So it's that's not even, ugh. Uh, another attractive woman falls for Reggie. No matter how, because he's the Cary Grant of Phantasm. Right. She goes upstairs. Now, this is the scene is just fucking inept from every way you look at it. Five fucking movies of fighting the tall man and spheres and things like that. Reggie goes upstairs, knocks on the door. There's no answer. And you start hearing a sphere. The sphere is on the fucking soundtrack, okay? And he opens the door, doesn't hear this, doesn't get... And then, real, and then she's got her face blown up by a sphere that's in there. And it's just the scene is so poorly done. And so another woman is just dragged into the, into one of these movies to be torn up. Uh, and he, like, closes the door and runs away because he's, put, he's left all of his guns and shit in the trunk of his car. He's the, What a James Bond, right? I mean, so he's gone... They've gone from booby-trapping locations because of, of paranoia and fear to 
Locking Fuck all it. that shit in the trunk. Fuck it. Fuck and it. then we get the scene of a sphere killing a horse because we've always seen, they love showing them killing animals. And then Daniel Roebuck playing a Bulgarian farmhand, screaming and yelling and trying to kill him with an axe, getting killed by a sphere, and then God only knows what the fuck was going on. Do you remember that scene? No, I honestly don't. And I'm like sitting there going, first of all, why is Daniel Roebuck in this? Is he just a friend of the family? Does he? And why is he playing another? And it's another cartoon character. It's a guy yelling yeah. in fake Bulgarian with an axe, like this is some children of the corn shit. The way he's dressed, and the spheres look like shit. Yeah, and they've killed a horse. I don't know why. And uh, he shoots it and gets out. And then we start his trek to find Mike or the tall man while Mike in the hospital. Oh, he, he wakes up and also sees Angus Scrim in a scene that's excruciating where Angus Scrim is Jebediah in a, on his deathbed. And the scary nurse or the lavender, one of those things is under the bed. It's just a, it's just a cheap shock effect and to get more callbacks to the old movies. Mm. And then he goes into the woods and sees um, tuning fork. Uh, set up in the woods and above it is this giant sphere it looks like a yes album cover but it's like the only thing memorable in the whole it's because it's quiet it's not overplayed the sphere doesn't move so the effect isn't too bad um then he goes back and he's you know he's got the he's wheeled back into his room so we get to see him in a hospital bed a whole bunch which is fucking boring and he then goes through the sphere and ends up in some kind of like cave where the tall man yells at him a bunch about how he should have gone home. And then, my, I, this is out of order, but it doesn't matter. Mike then comes back to the bench scenes. He comes back to the hospital to visit him again and basically goes, I read a whole bunch of stuff and also I had your dream. And this makes no fucking sense. Yeah. At this time, you're feeling demented. So Mike is starting to believe that he might be onto something. And then we get the future stuff. Reggie is tied up, finds himself tied up on a bed in, you know, Resident Evil, Silent Hill-looking hospital, dirty, dark, but they don't even have the money. You know. And some people in cowls or whatever, in, in hoods come. And you, it, they, they just telegraph it from the beginning that these are not villains. Because yeah. how could they be? He wouldn't be able to get out. And it's a little person named Chunk and the woman that died in the house that was killed. Right, but not... As a different... Not the same character. Right, just as a different character. Just because just just it's interesting to have the same person. It's well, just more dumb shit. He goes, I, Jane. He, he calls her Jane, I think. And she goes, my name's not Jane or whatever the I fuck. Think the, I think the idea is to, to set up these are Paral yeah. parallel sure. universes. But it's ridiculous because they do it once with one... You know what I mean? It's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, it would have almost been more interesting if Tim showed up than Chunk, but whatever. Yeah. He's a stupid character. Chunk calls him Baldy and, and curses a lot because it's funny when little people and kids curse. And they're freedom fighters who rescue Reggie. Mike is part of the freedom force who are also running around in this hospital. We start cutting back and forth between the hospital in the dementia timeline and the hospital in the future. And we get some very, very bad scenes of the Freedom Fighters fighting in like a corridor, it seems forever, the same corridor. We see a CGI uh, view of the world being destroyed, which looks like shit. It, it, it is the worst thing. Fucking horrible. Not only is it just categorically bad, but it doesn't even make sense. You don't even believe that 
freedom fighters could have survived past six days of this thing, that they'd be fighting for years just running in the streets like this. It's awful. So they keep doing this stupid mind fuck, cutting back and forth, back and forth, until you see some new spheres killing people, and the tall man kills some other people, and Chunk calls him a baldy, and then there's a horrible scene, which basically is, this is the money shot. Our heroes go to fight the tall man, and his army in the tall man's dimension which like this is a big this is like frodo going up to mordor this is this is this is a big fucking deal and it's reggie and mike versus six dwarves a couple of gravers and the tall man and the tall man i swear to god this when they showed the tall man in a bunch of scenes he had already died i think and it looks like his head is poorly cgi'd onto a body oh wow and that it's I don't you know um, I might be wrong because he looks like a wax dummy throughout this movie and it's really sad yeah. but there are scenes there's a scene where Reggie sees him in a big white room and they're talking and it's a terrible scene and the tall man looks like his head is floating over an, 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 it looks like two cells an animation cell over another one now the scene where they're fighting you just it's garbage they're like on two giant they look like they're in a very cheap version of hell they're standing on rocks and it's because the girl got captured that's why they are doing this and the scenes keep cutting back and forth and literally people just set up the scene reggie the tall man's got jane i mean it's like fucking children made this (laughs) all right we gotta get her and they jump into this thing and the tall man kills jane because that's what you do with the women in these movies generally and she's torn up no they're screaming and all this shit you know and you're supposed to feel for these characters even though you've got no reason to and then it turns out this is fucking hilarious and makes absolutely no sense chunk is wearing one of the dwarf outfits and infiltrated the dwarves somehow (laughs) how did he do this no fucking idea somehow he's in this other section of hell and chunk because he's small can wear their outfit and he packs grenades all around himself and blows up the tall man it is one of the most embarrassing things i've ever fucking seen in a known quantity (laughs) series of films ever that sequence is so fucking bad that i could laugh or cry at it it looks like hell this really looks like like fans wanted to see you know you control mike and reggie and you have three (laughs) lives to fight it really looks like an an early sega video game or something i was just waiting for the you know the golden axe dwarf to show up and they get saved and um the reality then is supposedly that reggie is dying right and mike and jody are there jody are there right jody comes back looking very much like one of the beach boys circa 2012 (laughs) no i'm sorry come on (laughs) come on you're gonna be in a movie come on joey I mean, also, if this is the apocalypse, what's he eating? Well, no, he's not in the apocalypse. Yes, he is. What Remember? Do you mean? Oh, he is. And uh, and Reggie dies, so we get to have a death scene for Reggie and feel all sad. It's cheap heat. But then he's out in the courtyard or something. In the apoc, the apocalypse future impinges on the hospital future. Turns out the hospital future is an illusion. The nurses and doctors are zombies, and Mike appears literally. The future burns its way in. A terrible CGI effect of fire burns into the hospital reality, which means that they're all reality, I guess, and dimensional. And things start to burn away and we see that the hospital is destroyed and that the world is shattered. And he gives Reggie his gun and they blow up all these things in a very, very bad CGI battle. They go out to the highway, and there's Jody in the fucking souped-up barracuda or something. But it's very Road Warrior looking. We Oh, we got an explanation, but I don't remember where. 
of what happened to the world. There is a plague. Right. The, the tall man has taken over the world now. There are these giant spheres the size of Epcot Center, blasting buildings and shooting airplanes down. The world rioted. And um, there was plague that made people's heads blow up. It's fucking ridiculous because the way that they did that was they took actual news footage of, 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 a, of a riot with cops pulling people away. And they just CGI somebody's head blowing up on that. It's fucking sad. It, maybe in 1957 that would have been funny. It's so fucking sad. So the world is a big apocalyptic vision. It's blah, blah, blah. It's the road warrior. And it's, you know, War of the Worlds. And yeah, Jody drives up in the car and says, yo, hey, and they get in the car and he, he starts, I think that they learn it from Jody or whatever, but he starts having a heart attack in the back seat, and I think that's when he dies, but then he ends up back in the car. I'm sorry, this is going on too long. Rocky is still fucking alive. Well, no, what they do, what you do is you see... And they drive off into the Chunk, distance and you see... Chunk crawls through... Chunk crawls through... Yeah, this is in credits. Right. Chunk the, crawls, crawls out of... Somewhere he com- he's I lived. Think he, he comes out of the the, the desert, the, the tuning. Yeah, and he's in the forks, desert, and like parts of him have been blown. His off. hand, he's lost his right. hand after strapping grenades to himself. Apparently, he only lost a hand, and and, and then Rocky him shows up. And then because Coscarelli and this guy are fucking derps or something, I'm sorry. Chunk hits on Rocky in much the same way that Reggie would, and then she's like, "Oh yeah, okay, sure." I mean, like, what the fuck? Can they? Can they just? Can a woman just exist in these fucking movies? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, oh my god! And Rocky looks great. I got she looks fantastic. Um, as far as anybody from the old movies, her acting is she doesn't have a lot to do, but she seems a little more natural. And they get a ride from Jody with Reggie oh. and Mike, and it's off to the future. And they drive off, and the last shot of supposed reality is. Uh, they're driving off to a burning city. There's a huge burning city, which looks fake as shit. And there's giant spheres in the air. The end. There's your fucking... Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. During the credits, we get to see a lot of cut footage and a lot of footage of them fighting, which looks fucking horrible. It's like... like the, It's all red, and it's like the opening of a kung fu movie from the 70s, and you're seeing <laughs> CGI effects as, as, as Reggie right. and Mike and everybody and Jody are supposedly gunning down zombies. It's fucking awful. But... They can't even let you just go on that. They have to have Phantasm Rap. Yes. You get the Phantasm Ravager Rap, which yeah. is somebody rapping about the tall man and shit. They take a huge fucking shit on this <laughs> franchise, and they can't even flush the toilet. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I mean, I realized what they were trying to do. I understand the idea of putting in these dimensions. and Forgetting again, they explain that there are hundreds of thousands of tall men. Right. They. Sh- I forget when that. I think maybe the tall man's yelling at them and says, "There's, there's hundreds of thousands And they show tall men right. CGI'd like a right. very bad Matrix right. scene. So maybe. But it really demystifies and makes this absolutely the, the, uninteresting. The problem thing. is, it it really feels like somebody said, "I want to make a fan film. How do I, how do I fix the problems? How do I do things? How do I be? There's no dreamlike quality. Well, there's the reality versus. Well, but but. It doesn't feel... Rea- no, it doesn't feel that way, even though it's nothing but that. Right. It's, it's funny. Right. It's true. I know what you're saying. It, it doesn't read. Yeah, as it, much as this is literally, more than any other movie, this is about what is real and what is fantasy, what is a dream, what is dementia. And it somehow doesn't even ring, feel like a dream logic movie. No, no, no. It feels like Reggie's consciousness is somehow drifting between these dimensions. And in one dimension this is happening and in one dimension this is happening or is it or is it really hit 
in his head. It, but the overall the, effect is really that the filmmakers don't know what the fuck to do. The real as I'm watching all the dimension hopping or dream hopping or reality hop, all I'm thinking of is this, this is just I, I am so aware of the filmmaking because they keep cutting away from these scenes in supposedly clever transitions, yeah. uh, matching shots to to link the realities, and the material just gets weaker, weaker, more ludicrous, uglier, dumber, and cheaper, cheaper, and then I was not as aware of the fucking behind-the-scenes thoughts, if you know what I'm saying. The, the, I mean, I was knocked out of this film constantly because of how bad it was. I mean, just just thematically bad, dramatically bad, effects bad, acting bad, staging bad, dialogue bad. I, I had to look because I was I had to scratch the edge, and I had to say, what, you know, what are people thinking about mm. this film on the whole? A lot of, you know, anecdotally, a lot of people at horror websites reviews that i read again anecdotally you can never tell anymore what the hell people really think about things i read a bunch of reviews at different places and the words for, forgive and overlook were in almost every positive review okay literally reviews where people were like yeah i know this is a terrible movie i objectively it's awful but i really love it because we get to see the characters again and he got to finish the films on his own but it, it just doesn't even feel like this was on his Oh, his this doesn't terms. feel like he had anything to do with this. I mean, what, whatever his... I know he produced and he yeah. co-wrote it, but it does not feel like one of his movies it really, it, you know, it really does feel like the half-assed script for it. I mean, they would have been better off taking their ideas that they really wanted to do and making them in the, in the 2010s doing what a lot of uh, franchises and series did when they didn't have the money to continue and make them as comics. I mean, I believe they did make comics at some point, but if you don't have the budget to show the world blowing up and all these damn things, instead of making what looks like a fucking 1980s rock video uh, with 1990s effects, <laughs> uh, but starring old people who can barely move, direct-to-cable cliche characters and whatnot, you could have done 12 issues, 40. You could have done everything you wanted to do. And you wouldn't have had to have old actors. You wouldn't have had to drag people. Yeah, but the thing is, I think that they were so dedicated. I mean, on the other hand, I do respect the fact that they dragged this fucking franchise to conclusion and beat it to death. But, I mean, the diminishing returns of these things are kind of depressing. And I I almost wonder, I would love to, I don't know. I I wish I could get into Coscarelli's head and really get past the, you know, happy, we did it, this is great talk. Because the guy who got to direct this is just, like, to me, like, you know, super lucky fan. Yeah. Got into the right place in the right time. How could you think that this is a, a good sign-off to you? How could you... How does this... Your I, last I, swing look, at the you, material. You, there's no reason to believe they think that. They might have just went, well, we did it. It's done. Yeah, but holy shit. If you don't have the budget, then really make it... You know, they shouldn't have... They should have basically said, we pretended they didn't have computers. So they wouldn't rely on making this going big in such a horrible, cheap way. Well, that's true. If they just made this a horror movie again somehow, yeah. I mean, you had years to write something, and you know how to make a budget gorilla. You know how to make a gorilla budget film because that's what Phantasm is, and that's what three probably. But it's like all the ingenuity goes out the fucking window when you can just have somebody sit on a computer and start putting spheres well, and it's and it's also probably, the giant spheres is, and it's just such a non-interesting it's, it's wrap up to make this a space battle right type it, it, thing. it went it went from oh yeah at the end they show the spheres attacking the earth and it's just awful because you've got footage uh, army footage cut in it, you know it's like 
scenes from Earth versus the Flying Saucers where they took crash footage of right. Air Force jets and put models in it. It's just you know these are these are the problems that started in two. They they started sure. making it more of a of a real story and a war. possible thing going on. When you make and a it, war, you have to deliver, and it's spun out of control. Yeah, you know, it just it wasn't. It, it kind of, yeah, ground down to a halt, too. Yeah. yeah. It's depressing because I try not to take, I mean, I'm not a kid anymore and I try to be realistic about stuff, but I really love those first two movies. And I really love the direction that they were going to. And seeing is how you have the same person behind the wheel to such a degree. It's just so weird to see somebody. I mean, I, I can understand why Star Wars fans are like don't seem to understand what Lucas was doing on those prequels because they almost seem to be like from somebody who just was assigned the job right? and didn't really know, you know, like when they would make a, uh, you know, a science fiction or horror movie in the seventies and eighties and they would just assign a director who had made whatever, you know what I mean? You, uh, you know, I would not have thought from watching the few things I've seen from one of those prequels that this was like the man who created all this. Yeah. It's so yeah. generic and clueless. It seems yeah. to me. It, it, it's a, it is what it is. Sure. And, uh... But it's, it is a, it is one of my favorite franchises and I hate, Three but out of the five movies, right? Yeah, it's it's because a funny I just thing love those where first it's, two where it, it really peaks at two, and uh, and for a lot of people, it it a lot of people only like the first one, and they seem to love one of the other ones. So yeah. Don't ask me why. But the, I think the third I, one is like such a run of the mill film that works for a lot of people. Yeah, but that, I don't understand people who enjoy the fourth and fifth films. I think yeah. that they're ob- objectively bad films. Maybe certain stories can't go beyond two. Maybe you can't do more than two Alien yeah. movies or two Terminator movies. Or I'll be watching one and two for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I think one and two hold up. I, I don't know if I'll ever revisit those three, four, and five like you just did. I, I, I don't really have any interest. They're not good. You know. They're not good. I mean, the third one is watchable. That's the best I can say. Um, those last three films are not smart. They're not scary. They're not thrilling. They're not interesting. They're not funny. So that's episode... Yeah. Well, actually, I think what I'm going to This wasn't as much fun as I thought it would be. This is more, like, depressing. Find the podcast online at tearthemapart.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Twitter at tearthempodcast. You can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash tearthemapartpodcast. It's over. Boy!